Bonjour, I am Estelle, your host, and this is Wildlife Conservation Insights, the podcast dedicated to the connections between wildlife and human being. You want to know more about wildlife, about what's going on, why some species are getting endangered, what are the challenges our world is facing? You want to meet people that dedicate their life to save animal species? You want to be proactive and also participate in species conservation? This podcast is for you. Welcome to Wildlife Conservation Insights. This is episode 11. My guest for this episode is a friend and wildlife veterinarian, Dr. Maike. We went back in 2019 in Zimbabwe while attending the Wildlife Capture Africa Trust in Malilangwe. As you can imagine, it was an incredible adventure. I want to share with you a little glimpse of the atmosphere we dearly enjoyed back then, as well as the current work Maike is doing, her expertise and enthusiasm. Maike is currently a wildlife veterinarian working for the NGO called Nankuse. She graduated from the University of Ghent in uh, 2016 and worked as a mixed animal veterinarian in Namibia for three years before being offered a job as a wildlife veterinarian at Nankuse. The Nankuse Foundation is a conservation charity dedicated to preserving the landscapes, cultures, and wildlife of Namibia. It is world-famous conservation organization. It has a global approach, working to preserve animals, ecosystem, and working closely with local communities. During my conversation with Maike, we talked about few missions she was involved in and her work and how her work participated in species conservation as well as a close involvement with the local communities. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to welcome my guest, Dr. Maike. Hope you enjoy the travel. Maike, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, and you? Yes, I'm very well. I'm super excited to have you as my guest, actually. It's, it's, really, it's really neat. So um, I think it's, it's nighttime for you, right? Yes, yes. And you're in a beautiful part of Africa. You're in Namibia. So can you tell us a little bit about this country, actually? So Namibia is a very big country. For everyone in Europe, Namibia is 20 times bigger than the Netherlands. And we only have two and a half million people living here. So you don't really see your neighbors often. We have several deserts. We have the oldest desert in the world, the Namib Desert. And we have desert-adapted lions, we have desert-adapted elephants, we have free-roaming black rhino, leopard, cheetah. So, yeah, it's, so, it's a beautiful country, environmental-wise, but also animal-wise. Yes, every species that a wildlife vet could dream of are there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So how is the weather? Like, is it really hot? Is it a little bit humid? I, I don't know. I've never been there, actually. So generally, it's very dry because of the desert climate and generally very hot. But we're currently in the rainy season. So okay. we've had some rain the past few days. 
so yeah, we're very happy because every drop counts and it just helps with the food for the cattle, but also the wildlife species. Mm, yeah, of course. So um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like, like how you got into working in this incredible country, doing this incredible job that you're doing? Yes. So I'm originally from the Netherlands and I studied veterinary medicine in Belgium. Um, then basically straight after graduation, I went to Namibia to work as a mixed animal vet because mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a wildlife vet in Africa and where better to start than where the fire is, to call it like that. Yes. Um, and then I started working, do a little bit of wildlife with my former boss. And then I ended up at the Nankusa Foundation, where I'm now their wildlife vet. Congratulations. That's so Thank awesome. You. Yes. Yeah. I can see how happy you are. It's, it's, yes. it's really, yes. yeah, I can see your joy. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you don't have any days that are the same. But if you could give us a little glimpse of what would be your typical daily life that would be awesome so i live on a game reserve that is uh, basically part of the nankusa foundation so literally i have the elephants i have the lions in my backyard <laughs> so that's quite nice um, and then we also have quite a few captive carnivores or captive small animals that unfortunately can't be released back into the wild because that is the purpose from the Nankusa Foundation is to rehabilitate and release animals back into the wild. Okay. So then we have another big game reserve in the middle of, of uh, Namibia and which we recently opened and that is our reserve of second chances. So animals that have come in conflict with humans, elephants, Uh, lion, wild dogs, mm. they find basically a safe haven or a second chance there so that they don't need to be shot or poisoned, but that they live on a 33,000 hectare game reserve, wild, uh, hunting for themselves, feeding for themselves, but free of conflict. And that they're basically ambassador animals for the species that are still free roaming in the country, hoping that we can try and make a difference like that. Mm. So you do uh, quite a bit of uh, trans translocation. Of, so which species do you translocate most? So the last year we had quite a lot of conflict lions. So lions that mm -hmm. came into human lion conflict due to the drought that Namibia has been through. So the lions started hunting the local dogs from the local community, but also the donkeys and the sheep and goats. And you can imagine those people all their money sit in their sheep and goats and their cattle so yes. it's basically their bank account so if if a, a pride of lion kills a hundred sheep you can imagine what a loss this is for the farmer and if he then needs a medical procedure or his children need to go to school he normally would sell those sheep and goats and then get money back but he can't so the local communities were like okay this is too much Uh, we don't want to kill the lions, so can they please be translocated? So they were in very bad body condition because they were starving. So they've been through an extensive rehabilitation process and slowly are being released onto mm -hmm. the reserve. Uh, and we had the same with elephants uh, causing problems with water because of the drought. 
they we then we have translocated and then rhinos who were on a reserve where a lot of poaching was happening and the owner couldn't afford the anti-poaching measures and the anti-poaching units so we then took those rhinos so yeah it's it's a lot of different species and a lot of different things because this is now the big things but you also have like a baby warthog that is found without his mother that people then rescue and bring to us to raise and to be released so it's very diverse yeah absolutely very diverse in action and also in species which is really nice do you work only with animals or also with local communities yes so with the human wildlife conflict it's not only just lions Uh, often farmers also struggle with cheetahs or leopards and they can Mm -hmm. they can contact us and then we try and help them out with helping them with different mitigation methods. So how can they protect their herd against the carnivores? And what we also do is if they, for instance, suspect that they have a problem, leopard or or cheetah or hyena even, and they set up a cage, we place a GPS collar on those animals so that we can track the location and that we can see, is this really a problem animal or is it another animal or is it something completely different? Um, so we had a, a brown hyena who are normally scavengers. So they eat already killed animals. And a farming community thought that he was killing their sheep and goats. So we could convince them for him to have a GPS collar after they caught him. And then what we found out that it was not the hyena killing the sheep and goats, but it was human poachers killing and slaughtering the animals in the felt and the hyena just ate the leftovers, so the organs and the skin. And by changing the uploads so that we would get more uploads during the night, the farmers could catch the human poachers. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that does. Yeah, it's it's really yes. nice. It's a detective work. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. So we've seen it also with leopard and cheetah that people think or they're blamed for killing their livestock. And, and after the coloring, they actually realize, oh no, this mm-hmm. animal is not not the culprit. And they might have shot it otherwise. And now we have proven that they would have shot the wrong animal. So by changing the farmers, involving the local farming community, involving all the farm workers, we try and create a change in mind shift. I and mean, that is how we try Absolutely, to work with the yeah. yeah. It's, it's all about education and also giving them the tool to be able yes. to actually have a, a nice follow-up of the species, yes. which is actually what we should do here in Europe uh, with wolves. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, I, I've been thinking about it. And I mean, African countries have been dealing with predators and livestock for such a long time. I think Europe can learn from us and from our mitigation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very, very interesting what you're actually uh, telling telling us and uh, experiencing. So the the organization you're working for actually provide the GPS scholars? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And maybe you don't know, or do you know the numbers of uh, collars that you actually placed on the animals? Let's say over. Yeah. So between 2020, April 2020, and now basically, so that's about two years, we have placed six GPS collars. 
Okay. Well, that's yeah. really nice. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really nice. Yeah. And so once you're translocated the animals, do you still have the, the possibility to have a follow-up on their, I would say, uh, deplacement, like moving motion? Uh, yeah. Yes. So all our translocated lions and elephants, leopard so far, they have all been colored and they also are on, the, on our reserve. So they are monitored by our research team and by, by mm. me, myself as well. Sometimes when we do translocation from leopard or cheetah, from a suspected problem to another place, it also sometimes depends. Sometimes we see that it's younger animals who got shooed away by their mom or their mother got mm -hmm. killed and they're actually a bit too young. They might be too small to color. So then we refrain from coloring, but then we ask the farmers to place camera traps to try if we can monitor by a camera trap image. Yeah, that's great. So you work, uh, I would say, quite closely with uh, biologists and ecologists, uh, yeah. I suspect. Yeah. Yes. So that's yeah. really nice because you yeah. work, well, your work makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can really have a, a nice exchange uh, yes. by uh, yeah, having a follow-up on your actions. Do you know how, I would say, education of local communities are is being done? So we try to have uh, farmers meetings or have like workshop for the local farmers. Or if we come out and work with the farmers, either with the coloring or if we go out uh, with our team also, if they experience problems. So helping with making thorn bushes around the, the night kraal, so where the animals are kept at night. Um, that we try and, and teach the farmers, explain the farmers also. So we try and do it on, diff on different occasions. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice, nice. What is your uh, busiest time in the year? It's often winter because then it's much cooler. Because mm -hmm. in summer it can easily get up to 38, 42 degrees and you then don't want to immobilize an animal because that yeah, often get hyperthermic because they can't yeah, regulate their absolutely. body temperature well. Of course, if it's an emergency, you're not going to say, no, no, we can't do it. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> no, they no, you just I'm need... too hot right now. I cannot do yes. it. <laughs> yes, they, you need to take extra precautions, but plan things like translocations because from the one reserve to the other reserve, which is not pressing, we try and, and do Yeah, And also maybe for the for the food resources that is much more abundant during winter yeah. time. And yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, well, it's pretty obvious from what you actually explained to us, but if we want to get a little bit more in depth, I would like to ask you, how do you think that your action actually participate in species conservation? How would you define that? So, I think that with educating the local community, the farmers, and not in like, listen to me, I know much better, or no, you are not allowed to shoot any animal. Because yes, sometimes you have an older animal that is like a leopard, his teeth are completely worn down. It's been in territorial fights with other leopards and it just mm -hmm. can't really hunt and it starts hunting sheep and goats. Sometimes you need to make the decision, okay, it's better for the animal and better for the community if this animal gets euthanized. By euthanizing this one animal, you will 
help the farmer understand that this was maybe just a once off. And if there's younger animals, they will keep on their prey. So sometimes mm-hmm. you need to take away one to yeah. sacrifice one to save more and explanation. And if you if they understand how the animals hunt, how the animals live and work and that we do or that I do understand that their sheep and goat, their cattle is worth a lot. And I'm not just going to dismiss that and say, ah, it's part of the job. No, I can understand it. It's heartbreaking and horrible for your wallet Mm -hmm. if you lose all that money. And that's why we try to make a difference and help them. And it's the same with the lions in the Northwest, with, with the drought, with the local communities. If you work with the communities and you advise them and they feel ownership of those animals as well. It's mm-hmm. not that they just want them to be gone and just see them as a pest. They also take pride in those wild animals. And that is what I think. If you involve people, involve the local communities, then you're going to win in conservation. Yeah. And not, yeah. just, not just people coming, dictating and leaving, but... being present being there for the people when they have Mm -hmm. questions and acknowledge their losses i think that is very important yeah imposing a model that is actually not sustainable at all yeah Yeah. what you said is really really important there are two points that i wanted to highlight the first one is about what you just explained species conservation like you have to you have to think of population and not just one individual. So that's something that can be really difficult to understand. But for a vet, it's really, really heartbreaking, as you said, to euthanize an animal. And it's not a decision that you take easily. Uh, So there is a lot of thought process uh, and discussion behind it. But it's something that is really important. And the second thing that you mentioned that uh, I really, really appreciate it as well is the fact that you're really working with local community in order to, well, you really understand their need and you're gaining their trust because it's a work that requires a lot of balance and uh, a balance in decision-making process. And and you really need to work together and trusting together to be able to achieve what you're doing, basically. Yeah. So that's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thanks for sharing. That's that's extremely inspiring. Like your your story and also your work is, I love it, my dear. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So you 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 actually inspire me, inspiring me right now. Um, how do you get your inspiration yourself? By, I know this sounds very like cliche, but trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm for the animals, but also for the local community in Namibia. And by, yes, it's like a little droplet in a, mm-hmm. in a big bucket. But if I can make a tiny effect on someone's thinking or on someone's understanding of animals, or if I can make a tiny effect for an animal that otherwise would have starved to death and now can rehabilitate it into a big game reserve, those are the things that... that keep my heart burning basically yes that's awesome it's all about being passionate about your job and well your job is your life so i can definitely understand that 
Yeah. I, I just have a, a quick question of what you just said. When you have to rehabilitate animals, how long does that last usually? So it, it really depends from species to species and in what state you got them in. So we now have a, we had a, a pride of two lions that we got in when they were about six to eight months old. Their mother was killed by the local communities due to mm -hmm. killing all the donkeys in the, in, the, in the village. And those cubs were way too young to hunt for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we, or I darted them when they were fairly emaciated. Their body mm -hmm. condition was very bad because they just couldn't get food because um, this was a few months after their mother died. Um, they have been in a rehabilitative camp. First, they were fed whole carcasses to regain strength and muscle and grow. And then after that, they've been put in a thousand hectare pre-release camp with prey in there. Because normally, for instance, the lionesses teaches their cubs how to hunt mm -hmm. and the hunting finesse. And yeah, we couldn't. I mean, we can't teach a lion how to hunt. So we <laughs> hope that the instinct <laughs> would kick in. And literally from the moment they were in that thousand hectare camp with the game, they started hunting and we were so happy how quickly they succeeded and, and not only the small little impala and springbok, but also like the bigger, the, the kudu and, and the waterbuck and the gemsbok. So then after about four or five months in that big camp, they were released onto the big game reserve. So in the end, they were in rehabilitation for about one and a half years. Now we have another lion pride who was able to hunt for themselves, but was eating local dogs and, and donkeys, and they were also getting very skinny. They will be now being in rehabilitation between six and, and nine months. So it, it okay. also depends from species to species, situation to situation. I mean, I've had smaller animals in rehabilitation for less than a month, for instance. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's very variable. Yes. Yeah, and I'm sure you learn a lot through this rehabilitation process. Yes. Like as you just said about the two young lions that were able to actually hunt for themselves quite yes. quickly. It's pretty, it's pretty nice to see that. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we are now pretty close to the end of this episode. And I would be really, really happy if you could tell me Yeah. Uh, which message you would like to deliver to the next generation of young people? I do believe that everyone can make a difference. Together we make a bigger difference. But as I said, just one drop in a bucket, enough drops and the bucket will start overflowing. So don't feel discouraged by the current state of affairs in the world. Try and look for something mm -hmm. that brings passion in yourself or, or keeps your flame going and yeah. try and go for that. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really happy right now. Uh, thank you so, so much. Uh, You're for, welcome. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really neat. Um, thanks for everything you actually shared with us tonight and thanks for your enthusiasm i really love it it's awesome it's very communicative <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me i really feel honored about that
<laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I love it. So, yes, now that's the end of this episode. And that was my guest, Mikey. And, uh, well, bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Wildlife Conservation Insights Podcast. You can find more about myself and the show, including our guests, on estelvet.com. If you like it, share it. I have also created a Facebook page, Wildlife Conservation Insights, dedicated to my current practice. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Once a month, I will present about wildlife health news around the world in the show called What's Going On in the Wildlife Side. This show will still be part of the Wildlife Conservation Insights as a bonus. Do not hesitate to reach out. Bye-bye.